Happy Friday, everybody. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Exodus 31 in the NLT. Um, But first and always, we pray. Dear Lord, help us to read your word. Help us to be in the spirit, Lord. Help us to be humble and meek. Uh, We thank you so much for being our God, our friend, and our King. Help us to avoid temptations, Lord. Help us to look past all of these things and, and keep our eyes focused on your Son. Help us as we read this chapter, Lord, that we will get something out of it that's deep and profound, and that is something of spiritual, Lord, to uplift us and to chisel us for the kingdom of heaven. Pray in the name of Christ. Amen. It says, Craftsman, Bezal, and O Oholiab. Boy, these names are killing me already. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I've specifically chosen Bezal, Bezalel, Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. So the Lord is talking to Moses, and this person is from, this person is of the tribe of Judah. So just the only thing that comes to my mind is that he is of the same tribe that Jesus is. So, and then God says, I've given him the spirit of God. So God refers to his spirit, um, I don't know, as a thing. It seems to be the spirit of God giving him great wisdom and ability. And it's something that God can dispense. And Jesus also said in the New Testament, it was John 14 or 15, uh, I will send the Holy Spirit. I will send the Comforter. So the thing is that Jesus could dispense the Holy Spirit and so can the Lord, which I assume this is God our Father here. This is the Lord. So that's the only thing that comes to mind. I mean, I can't read anything in more than that. Uh, obviously, this person uh, before, uh, whoever this was, Bezalel, um, he didn't have this uh, skills before. So it's like God just gave him this power. It's just he now he has it. May, maybe God is saying this is what his talents are. You know, like you you uh, have people who start playing the piano really well or they do something at an early age and they're, they're just a progeny. You know, they're just gifted. So this person has been gifted, whether he was gifted in his adult time or whether he was gifted from youth and then God is just pointing it out to Moses, I can't really tell. Verse 4, he is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And I have personally uh, appointed Aholiab, son of Ahishmiak of the tribe of Dan, to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they can make all the things I have commanded you to make. So God is in charge of the talent set. So whatever talents you have, to be honest, I mean, to be meek and humble, it seems that you know, they're given to you by God. Now, I I admire Arnold. You know, I was reading Arnold's book when I was 19 years old. I read The Education of a Bodybuilder. And, you know, in there, Arnold says that he's 15 years old. He goes into the gym. He sees these guys, you know, working out. He's, He's playing soccer. He says his legs are skinny, you know. And obviously, Arnold's one of the taller people. He's like 6'1 or something. So he says he's more ectomorphic. So... Arnold says that he worked very hard. He was, you know, very driven. And that obviously Arnold did. You know, he did work hard. He did put in the time 
I'm not saying that, but his his abilities with muscles. I would say that God gave him that. God gave him the talent to have muscles. Now, if Arnold were here, I'm probably sure he would say this is just foolishness. Um, I God didn't do anything for me. I had to do it for myself. I could appreciate that. In fact, just recently, Arnold, and this is a disappointment to me since I'm a, I like and admire Arnold, um, but I don't, you know, I, don't, I disagreed with what he said. Uh, he said there was an article and he said something about uh, it's all foolishness when you die, you're six feet under. Arnold is not really a believer, which is his right. It was disappointing to hear um, one of the one of my role models say something like that, but he's entitled to his opinion. And his opinion is your life here is what you make of it. And I, I agree. I mean, you know, we all have certain abilities and talents, but what, how you do, how you push yourself, you know, um, that's kind of up to you. But God, but, but I think God also gives you certain abilities. You know, my brother's very tall, uh, he's very strong, worked out very hard. I would say God gave him those abilities, but I would also say my brother pushed himself to the max. Um, I would say that my brother really pushed himself very hard. He was always a leader, uh, always very moral, never drank or smoked, and was always the team captain of the basketball team because he would push the guys. My brother was very disciplined. And wherever he went, he was the leader. My brother was the leader because, you know, the other guys had the best intentions, but they'd fool around, they'd want to party, they'd get a little sloppy. But my brother was always pushing them into the groove, you know, pushing them to do better, to go higher, to stay focused and to stay disciplined. Um, it, it just seemed like a natural thing, from a natural aptitude for my brother. Whether God put that into my brother's head or that was what my brother brought to the table, I don't really know. It says, I've commanded all these things for you to make. Verse 7, the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark's cover, the place of atonement, the furnishings of the tabernacle, the table and its utensils, the pure gold lampstand with all its accessories, the incense altar, the altar of burnt offering with its utensils, the wash basin with its stand, the beautifully stitched garments, the sacred garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense for the holy place, the craftsmen must make everything as I have commanded you. I mean, these were not little things. These were things of God, and they were very precise things. We can see that God is very mathematical. He's very precise. You know, they have said that math is the language of the universe. God, God has made the universe, and he's made math. And I was looking at a show once and, you know, it was saying that the concrete universe is like under Newton's three laws. You know, they're, they never change. They're, they're sort of immutable. They never really alter. You know, force equals mass times acceleration. An object is at rest or an object is moving at constant velocity. But if it accelerates, it accelerates. Um, the force that it hits is equal to its acceleration times the mass. Every, for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction, things like that. You know, that, that's, the, that's the sort of like the laws. That's almost like the old covenant. You know, that's like the laws that govern the macro universe. But then you had the, like the new covenant, the spirit. And then it said at the quantum level, things were very, like probability. You never knew how things were going to go. I, I saw that on a show once. And I just, for me, I just like, this is very interesting. It's almost like the old covenant versus the new covenant. The, the, the laws versus love, you know, uh, the concrete world versus the spirit versus the world that we cannot see. I thought that was very interesting. I know I've just sort of gone off on a tangent. You'll have to pardon me. The Lord then gave these instructions to Moses. Tell the people of Israel, 
be careful to keep my Sabbath day. Again, the Sabbath, you know, the Sabbath was a sign, a seal of the old covenant. It was a sign of seal of the laws. The Sabbath must have been a certain day. Was it Saturday? I came from a church that it's like, it's all about harping on Saturdays, the Sabbath. You know, it seemed like, okay, you got to obey God. That's the sign of obedience, uh, keeping the Sabbath day, which I now no longer believe. You know, to me, the Sabbath is Jesus. It means obeying Jesus, loving Jesus, bowing before Jesus, you know, confessing your sins. It's repentance. It's the fruits of the Spirit. That, to me, is the sign. The sign is Jesus himself, the right Savior. He Trusting God by trusting that he's the Savior and not someone else. That, that to me, is the Sabbath. But, you know, where I came from was about the day. And it says there, be careful to keep my Sabbath day, for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you, and from generation to generation it is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. This Jewish girl that I used to talk to at work, she said, you know, the Sabbath is for the Jews only. I said, well, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, I, I keep the Sabbath too. And she said, you know, it was it was... It was given to the people that were there. It was not given to the Gentiles. That's what she told me a long time ago. And I kind of believe it now. You know, although there were Gentiles that were part of uh, that, that troop that had come out of Egypt with Israel. And, you know, they were supposed to also get in line with whatever Israel was doing. They were like going to do the same thing. You know, I don't know if I can't remember if they were allowed to be, um, you know, they were not allowed to meet in the congregation, stuff like that, since they were Gentiles. I can't really remember. But I do remember her saying that to me a long time ago, the Jewish Sabbath, which, you know, because of this day and age, you know, the Jews go to church or the synagogue, sorry, they go to synagogue on Saturday. That's what my church did, which said that it was Christian, but I no longer believe that it was. Um, but it was it was Saturday for me and maybe it was Saturday, maybe it was another day of the week. Who knows? Who knows? It might it might have been lost in history. Uh, the Jews are very methodical, and I think that the fact is that they do go to synagogue on Saturday. I think the probability is very, very high that Saturday is the Sabbath from the Bible. But hey, something could happen in the past. We might be wrong. And even if it is, it's not a sign of the new covenant, which is, which is the covenant that Jesus said, I've given you a new covenant in my blood, and I know that that statement is somewhere in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 14, you must keep the Sabbath day for it is a holy day for you. Anyone who de desecrates it must be put to death. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. So you see, this is like a problem, right? Because this is what they're saying in the old covenant. Okay, this is what Moses is writing down. This is Exodus 31. And then all of a sudden, because I was just reading this, John 5, it says that Jesus is breaking the Sabbath. And I think that's a huge challenge for the Jews, a huge challenge. You know, he's, he, he's supposed to be the Savior, the Messiah, you know. And I'm not saying that what the Jews did to Jesus by killing him was right. But what I'm saying is, like, his actions, you know, healing people on the Sabbath, or maybe the fact is that he was going against the rules they perceived. Does, does it say that you are not allowed to heal people on the Sabbath? Does it say that you are not allowed to get your donkey out of the pit on the Sabbath? Didn't say that. I mean, these are the add-on rules that, you know, the Jews added. It was like the law says you can't do this. Whose law? God's law? Man's law? 
man thinking that he can speak for God? Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But it does say, say here, it says, you must keep the Sabbath day for it is a holy day for you. Anyone who desecrates it must be put to death. I guess the Jewish leadership felt that Jesus was desecrating the Sabbath day. I don't know what day was the Sabbath day when Jesus was on earth. Maybe it was Saturday, maybe it was another day. But whatever day was, they perceived that he was desecrating it. Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. So when it's supposed to be rest, what, what, were, what did, I would be honest, what did Moses have in mind? What did God have in mind? You know, what, what did it mean to be a rest day? Certainly Saturday in our world is the seventh day, and it's usually part of the weekend, right? And I guess there was a story about that, that when the Christians came to America, you know, that Sunday was like, quote, the Sabbath, unquote. And then I thought I heard, that, you know, so Sunday was a day you could you could get off or it was, a, it was sort of like a holiday or a family day. And I know in Canada, they used to have Sunday shop, like, like the stores were closed on Sunday. I remember that I used to live opposite a plaza uh, in a small house and, and, and the plaza was closed up on Sundays. You weren't allowed to shop on uh, Sunday, right? So, and then there were people, I think there were Jewish guys that tried to open their stores. Uh, there was a guy named Magna, I think. Uh, he tried to open his store on, uh, on Sunday, right? And, uh, you know, they would find him, something like that, which I think was kind of wrong, you know, but but they believed that that was the, that was the law then. And, you know, and, and then how did I get on this track? So then America had some guys working at the Ford plant or at a car plant and they were Jewish and they wanted to have Saturday off or Friday night off. And that's maybe how the weekend came to be. I don't know, don't quote me on that. Like I'm terrible with history. I do like history. It is interesting, but I sometimes I kind of mess up facts. So I don't exactly know how we quote, got the weekend unquote. But Saturday seems to be the day after everybody's five-day work week. It's certainly a day to rest and go, ah. That being said, I usually work out five um, days in the week. And this guy at my gym, he's the t typical alpha male. He said, I'll see you tomorrow. And I said, no, I'll, I'll, be on, I'll come on Monday. And he said, oh, you don't work out on Saturday. It's like, I'm thinking of going to work out on Saturday too. Why not? Um, I love Saturday. I love uh, you know sleeping in. But then I feel kind of sleepy. I haven't done anything. Maybe I will go work out tomorrow. Six days a week. Why not? At 58 years old, have I got anything better to do? Like they say, this is your best life now. You might as well live it. Go and, go and work out on Saturday. You know, or maybe just kind of like instead of going really hard, just do a lot of pumping exercises. You know, everybody's in the gym, okay? Everybody's in the gym because they're married or they're not married or they're having relationship problems or maybe they're having health problems. Everybody's in the gym now. In Arnold's day, it was men inside basements with with that smelled kind of like sweat and you know, um, you know, human sweat. And now it's like gyms are very nice, and they have all these beautiful gyms with TVs and great machines and lots of different rooms. Everybody's working out now. Okay, uh, the gym is everybody's, um, you know, <laughs> drug of choice, healthy drug of choice. Um, to activate your mind, activate your body. 
So you might as well, you know, suck it up. And if you're if you haven't gone to the gym, you need to start. You need to do 20 minutes. You could do cardio. You could do weights. I see the girls. They don't do a lot of weights. You know, some girls do some weights, but they do kind of these weird exercises. I don't know why. I just like doing the basics because the basics are fun to me and they're simple. Anyways, it says anyone. You have six days each day. Uh, week for your ordinary rest but the seventh day must be a sabbath day of complete rest so the only thing about rest that i remember is that you weren't allowed to gather the manna on uh let's see you weren't allowed to gather the manna on saturday right and the manna didn't even fall on saturday it says a holy day is a sabbath day of complete rest a holy day dedicated to the lord what does it mean by rest like physical rest physical rest spiritual rest just kind of you know tune out from everything i mean taking a sabbath rest from from all these um social media maybe that's the best thing it's a lot of social media your brain really has to work very hard i remember in physiology class they were sticking probes and, and doing tests on cats how cats can see a dot and how they see a stationary dot and then how they and then they're seeing a moving dot so they were sticking these probes into the cat's brain to see what part of the cat's brain was activated. Your brain does a lot of work. When you're looking at things, when you're looking at the screen, when you're looking at social media, when, you, when you're showing all these images moving around, your brain is resting like, you're, like you're, your, your brain is doing work the same way that you're doing work when you're lifting weights. And when you lift weights, you got to rest. You got to get more rest. You got to eat food. You got to eat good food right maybe the maybe a little bit of sugar afterwards just as a reward but not too much sugar like like plain sugar and then people are just looking at all these social media and their brain is not resting your brain is not getting to rest and if your brain is not resting if you're not resting your eyes or it's too much social media your brain is going to be tired it didn't have a chance all those little vesicles all those little acetylcholine all these little vesicles, that, um, neurotransmitters that release across the synapses, they didn't get a chance to be built back up. Of course you're going to be tired and depressed and feeling empty and down and flat. If you're going to look at all this phone stuff, all this stuff on all these moving images, your brain is getting activated and it's going to get tired. And I think people are just on the go, 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 go all the time and they cannot rest. It's like Vegas, 24-7. It's just non-stop. I'm going to work out tomorrow, but it's not going to be like a killer workout. It's going to be just a lot of light pumping, flexing exercises. So I have to do it now because I said so. It says, um, anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. Well, that's pretty serious. Verse 16, the people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. The old covenant, the new covenant, the marriage covenant. These are all contracts you make, not just with others, but with God. It's an obligation. I mean, love is love, but there's still got to be some discipline too, you know? Sometimes people, people don't commit anymore. They just quit. When people say love, 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 the guy you say, oh, love songs 24-7. That that kind of that kind of ooey gooey wacky, you know that kind that kind of love runs out. 
Sometimes you got to commit. This is a covenant obligation for all time. Verse 17. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. I guess the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, even though they were plotting against Jesus, they must have been very, they were probably very, very challenged by what Jesus was doing. But I think they had made the Sabbath into a burden. And it does seem like a kind of a really strict rule just by reading this. But I don't think God meant for it to be burned. God meant it to be something to be a rest, to be a spiritual refreshment. That's what God meant, I think. And But but the problem is man got his hand into it. The religious leaders got her, their hand into it and they made it all these rules and this ritualism and this ritualism. They made it a burden. They made it you couldn't carry your bed. You couldn't do this. You couldn't do that. They made it in a bunch of don'ts instead of a bunch of what can I get out of this? How can this help me to be closer to God? It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he stopped working and it was refreshed. That's what it says here. God was refreshed. God is refreshment. Jesus says, come and you'll find refreshment for your souls, for I'm humble and meek. Isn't that what God is supposed to be? Is that what God is asking us to enter into a covenant relationship with him to be refreshed? The world and all this stuff can't give you refreshment. People are more isolated and depressed and lonely than they've ever been with all this social media. I mean, they're exposed to every single crime and drama that happens in the world. You see it the moment it happens. Hey, you see it before it happens. All these videos, all these things that are going on in this world, yeah, we want information, but we do, do we have to do we have to watch everything? Verse 18, when the Lord finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant written by the finger of God. I know that Mr. Pawson said there were two copies, one for God and one for us. I think Moses smashed the first copy, but we'll find that out later. Um, please pray for my friend. I've been kind of thinking about, about him all day. I've been praying just that the God, just God would give him refreshment and just an encouraging word. And I'm not really sure how to, what to say or how to call or what to do, but maybe the Lord will help me. God bless. God bless you all.